Welcome to Energy Radio. On this episode, we get a chance to meet one of CEM's thermal power specialists. But first, I welcome back my co-host, Lisa. Welcome back. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm happy to have you back um, riding shotgun or me riding shotgun, working together <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, you've, you've taken some time off. I'm glad to have you back. How have things been? Good, good. Yeah, our little one is uh, just over three months now. So 14 weeks actually to be exact. So uh, yeah, having lots of fun on both the personal and the professional front. So it's, it's a busy time <laughs> on sure. both fronts. And you heard I kind of did a hostile or unhostile takeover of the show while you were gone to talk, to talk about cryptocurrency and blockchain yeah. and all that good stuff. So um, yeah, happy to get back to business today and really happy to have a key member of our CEM team join us today. And we have Bengt Malmstrom, uh, who is a thermal power specialist with CEM. He's been with uh, CEM for a while now and has worn many hats um, in his time here as mechanical engineer and project engineer and project manager, and um, but really brings a, a deep understanding of thermodynamic cycles and power plants, and especially uh, steam turbines, and has really uh, adapted well to our projects and our clients. And looking forward to hearing about his experience uh, on the show today. So, Banked, welcome to Energy Radio. Thank you very much, Matt. And thanks, Lisa, for having me. Have you You're ever done a podcast? Have you ever done a podcast, Banked? No, I have not. No, okay. this is the first time. Yeah. He, he has listened to a couple of hours, though. I did ask him if he's listened to a couple of the uh, the other ones. He said, yes, he has. So that's good. Good, good. Yes. good. Well, Banked, we often like to ask people to start as we go through the podcast to give us, you know, their background and their um, their origin origin story. Uh, how did they get into the business? And um, We'll do the same for you. Talk to us about you know your career and and maybe kind of start as far back as you're comfortable and and how did you get into the space? Yes, I started my career in Sweden. I started working for the Swedish uh, turbine company Stalaval in 1985. Um, so that that's a very old company. It was founded by the uh, by the industry legends Gustav Dalaval and the Youngstrom brothers. Okay. And um, I was working in the design team there for industrial steam turbines for the VAX steam turbines. And was that um, that was was that a lo local to where you grew up? Like uh, uh, it was about 200 kilometers from where I grew up. I grew up okay. in, in Stockholm. Okay. And Finnsborg is 200 kilometers south of Stockholm. Okay. Um, I moved over to um, New Jersey in uh, in 1992. I came over with with the same company. It was um, owned by ABB, so it was um, called ABB Stahl. And I worked in the New Jersey office for uh, for about two years. And I was doing proposals and performance calculations for for new uh, steam turbine cells. And then I moved up to Ottawa at the end of '93, and with the same team was working for ABB Power Generation in Ottawa. So I was there for about seven years, doing proposals and performance calculations and product management for for new steam turbine installations in Canada. Hmm. And in 2001, I moved to Calgary. Uh, we were then owned by Alstom. Mm. And I did the same thing, sell uh, support for industrial steam turbines. And, and then I left the industry or that business in 2005. 
And I started and consulting in, in power gen and also in oil and gas for a few years. And then I came to St. Catharines in 2016 and joined uh, CEM. And the rest is history. <laughs> That's right. So Bengt, you're, you have a degree in mechanical engineering, right? Correct. And that's and you 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 got that degree in Sweden, presumably. I got that degree in Sweden and um, in a town called Lund, Sweden, which is one okay. of the oldest universities in Sweden. So I got the master's degree in, in power generation and thermodynamics. I did my master's degree work in Mannheim, Germany, at ABB's turbine factory there. And and what led you, out of curiosity, to kind of choose this? That, that um, field, like eventually. I think my my father was pushing me in this direction. He recommended this job uh, at Stalaval in Finspon. Okay. So I jumped on that and I, I liked it. So. And, and and like when you were just out of curiosity, because we're, you know, as part of uh, a couple of internal uh, groups that I'm a I'm a part of, where we're trying to kind of get more people into engineering. Did did you feel like were you mechanically inclined as a child? Did you were you playing with Lego blocks all the time, or like what uh, kind no, of led you to kind a lot of, that? of A lot of different things. I also, you know, uh, I was playing uh, playing piano, for example. That's still my my big hobby. But I I like. Um, Physics and, and math, and um, okay. uh, like to analyze things. No. Okay. And, and, okay. and Bank, what prompted the move to, you know, you had a couple of moves, one to New Jersey, then Ottawa, yeah. Calgary. I mean, I particularly met, the met one that wife. kind of, yeah. I met my wife in uh, in New York when I was okay. over the first time with ABB. Okay. I ran that into her uh, on her birthday, and then okay. we've been together ever since. That was in October 1991. Wow. Yeah. So you, so you came here. You came here for love, and you stayed. Ever I came since. for love, and then yeah. I. I yeah. <laughs> right on. Right on. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's great. And you and you joined us five plus years ago, right? Yeah, almost six years now. Almost six years. In in, uh, in in July, uh, 2016. Okay, almost six years ago. Wow. Yeah, it's going to so, be yeah. uh, six years in in a month. Okay. Cool. So it's been very interesting so far. I've been yeah. doing a couple of steam turbine products here with CEM. Right. right. One in um, Elmira, Ontario, and one in uh, in Toronto, outside of Toronto, in uh, Brampton. Yeah. Good. Good. Before we get to those, I mean, talk to us. Steam turbines can take a wide range of of sizes and types. Uh, maybe, maybe talk to us kind of about the extremes. You know, uh, the biggest one you've done, kind of smallest one you've done, yeah. stra strangest one you've done, maybe. Yeah, the <laughs> biggest one I've done was probably the one for we did sold one turbine to Shell in, in uh, Alberta for for, for Scottford, their refinery in Scottford. That was back in 1998. So I did the proposal and performance calculation for that project. That turbine was about 120 megawatt. Wow. It had wow. automatic extraction. Okay. It was probably the biggest one. And the smallest one is probably the one I did a few years ago here at CM, the one up in Elvira. That was one megawatt. Okay. But it's still the same principle, no matter if it's 100 megawatt or 1 megawatt. You still have to do the same due diligence and, and calculations. Right. It's just right. different size, basically. What's what's the smallest steam turbine that exists, Spanked? Oh, the they're market. very small. They can be uh, 50 kilowatts. Uh, okay. Drivers for pumps, for example, can go down to about 50 kilowatts or smaller. Okay. Interesting. And the biggest ones are <clears throat> the nuclear power plants can be... Uh, over one gigawatt. Wow. At, at the yeah. risk at the risk of getting um, a little deep in the technical, but I think it's it's helpful for 
uh, some viewers. Um, can you walk us through, you know, you don't have the benefit of a white whiteboard uh, and an enthalpy <laughs> diagram banked, but walk us through kind of the principles of a steam turbine, if you will. Yeah, the steam turbine converts thermal energy to mechanical energy. So you need the uh, difference in pressure between the inlet and the exhaust of the turbine and the temperature difference. So that that creates a um, a heat drop of the turbine and the, and the bigger the heat drop the more the higher efficiency you get. Okay. And and where did so so you're in in it's like a waterfall. You need the more height of the waterfall. The higher the waterfall the more power you get from the waterfall. So same it. thing, yeah. Same thing. Okay, instead of mechanical energy, it's thermal energy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So you take you got steam coming in. You have uh, lower pressure, lower temperature, either um, you know li liquid or or steam or some mixture coming out the back. Where where does uh, superheated steam fit in to a steam turbine cycle? So you you want to superheat the steam because then you get less moisture as the steam expands through the turbine. Say so if you have saturated steam at the inlet, then you will get moisture as soon as you expand the steam. Right. So you want to avoid that to protect the blading from erosion. Mm. So you superheat the steam, then you have dry steam in most of the most part of the turbine. Usually for a condensing turbine, the last stage will see moisture. And then you have to remove that moisture to protect the blading. But it's a good thing to superheat steam because it's it's dry. So and I should know the answer to this, um, but so, you're, so the, the reason to superheat steam is more for protecting the blades than getting more efficiency or power out of the machine? Uh, both things. You get both. higher efficiency. The higher the temperature at the inlet, the higher efficiency you get. Okay. And, and Ben, can you, can you break down from a mechanical perspective, like the various sections of the turbine? Like a lot of people, yeah. a lot of our listeners might be familiar with a gas turbine, for example. Yeah, it's very what, similar. What changes? I mean, a gas turbine has a compressor, a combustor, and then a turbine. So the steam turbine is similar to the turbine section of a gas turbine. Uh, so it consists of guide vanes and rotating blades. So the guide vane will accelerate uh, the steam, increase the flow, and the, the rotating blade, you will slow down the flow and, and gain momentum on the rotor and convert that thermal energy, kinetic energy to mechanical energy. And then you have a next stage that will do the same thing, accelerate the steam, and then you, you convert that kinetic or thermal energy into mechanical energy. And you can have 10 or 15 stages in the turbine. Oh, wow. Each stage okay. will do the same thing. And, and Bank, talk to us about the difference between you have, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of three turbine types. One is a condensing turbine. One is a back pressure turbine. Uh, and then you have a kind of a, a hybrid where it's an extraction condensing. Walk yeah. us kind of through the, the different classes or different types of turbines. Yeah, there are different types of turbines. You have condensing turbines, and that's when you have an exhaust pressure that's below atmospheric pressure. So you, you need a condenser, you need an air evacuation system to pull the vacuum at the exhaust of the turbine, and then you get a longer expansion line in the steam path, and that gives you higher efficiency. Uh, a back pressure turbine is when the exhaust pressure is above atmospheric pressure. 
that's the definition of a back pressure turbine. Okay. And they are mostly used in processes for you for pulp and paper mill, for example, mm. where you need steam at a certain pressure <laughs> temperature, or any other process, any other industry where you need heat that you can get from the exhaust of a, of a back pressure turbine. So condensing turbine is used for pure power generation, where you want to maximize your efficiency in the turbine and the output by creating a, an as long expansion line as possible. Mm. And then there are different turbines depending on the type of, of blades you have. You have impulse type turbines and reaction type turbines. Okay. And those are two fundamentally different ways of producing power. The impulse type, it's like the steam is hitting the rotating blade and the impulse is forcing it to, to rotate. Mm. Uh, the reaction type, in that case, the outlet of the rotating blade has a velocity that's higher than the inlet of the blade. That causes a reaction force in the reaction type turbine. And due to the reaction force, the blade, the rotor is rotating. Yeah. And of course, there's a mix between these two principles. So re reaction type usually have 50% reaction, uh, mm. a factor of 50% reaction force. So. Got it. Wow. So those are this, is, this is why I love this podcast. See, it's it's. I mean, our listeners, I'm sure, are learning something along the way here, which is fantastic, and that's the whole reason we do the podcast. But you know, I'm getting something from this too. So thanks, Bank. This is great. Well, and it's fitting. So here, here in Canada, we're recording this the day after school let out. So you know, for those of you who are lamenting that you know your kids aren't <laughs> learning, you got to get them listening to Professor. Yeah, they Malmstrom. have to listen to this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have another difference between turbine, and that some of them are, are direct drive, and some of them are geared. Aha. Uh -huh. So you mean, bigger, tur larger turbines, like utility-type turbines for nuclear power plants, for example, they're all direct drive. And for most of the smaller ones, say below 50 megawatts. They are usually geared because when you speed up the turbine, you need to shrink the, the diameter of the turbine. And for a given volume flow, you need to increase the blade height. And when you have longer blades in the turbine, you get higher efficiency because more bigger percentage of the steam flow is going through the steam path as opposed to around the, the, uh, the blade through the, uh, through the seals. And that gives you a higher efficiency when you speed up a turbine. So let me just make sure I got that right, Bank. So the geared turbines, uh, they they are more efficient than the direct drive. Is that right? They are usually more efficient when you have smaller huh. steam flows. That's correct. That's why you see most of the modern industrial steam turbines are, are geared. So they're high speed. They run higher than 3,600 RPM. Mm. Okay. Just because you get longer blades and you get higher efficiency. Even though, in spite of the gearbox losses that you have. Okay. Well, this might lead us into kind of the next question. Then, like, what what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of steam turbines? You can you can approach that question from a you know holistic view, or or maybe even talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages like you've just touched on. Yeah. If you compare a steam turbine, say, to a gas turbine or an internal combustion engine, um, the steam turbine can be customized for a particular application. If you have a certain steam condition, a certain exhaust pressure, a certain extraction pressure for a process, you can, you can build the turbine to fit all those parameters in the plant. Um, whereas you buy uh, an internal combustion engine or gas turbine, 
it's kind of more off the shelf. You get this, this, or this model. But steam turbines are customized for, for the application. Um, one of the disadvantages if you compare them, steam turbines to gas turbines or ICs, is that steam turbine plant is more complex. You, you need a boiler, you need a water treatment plant, you need a condenser, feed water pumps. It's more involved with the steam turbine. The gas turbine has comes more as a complete package, if you will, same as an internal combustion engine. Same. So that, that's the differences. And, and are, are there areas where, you know, you if you're designing a new plant, you would for sure pick a steam turbine over some other prime mover? Uh, yeah, it depends on the economics of the plant, the payback time and what you're doing with the steam and how much money you get for the power that you sell. So there has to be an evaluation between the technologies yeah and when what were the kind of main industries that were you that you know continue to use and, and have always used steam turbines uh, you know in their in their applications uh, first of all in, in Canada for example all of, all over the world all the nuclear power plants use steam turbines that's right. right they produce steam and they use steam turbines large steam turbines can be over one gigawatt so I would say uh, most of the power that's produced in Canada comes from steam turbines because it comes from the nuclear power plants. Right, right. Um, other than that, it's for, for industries where you need steam for a process like pulp and paper uh, or any other food and beverage uh, industries or district heating and uh, facilities where you need to heat up buildings. Right. Uh, steam turbines are very very good for those kind of applications. It's very common in, in Europe and Scandinavia and Germany to have steam turbines in, in district energy applications. And, and Vancouver, and power, yeah. And I guess in the US, well, and I guess in parts of Canada too, but in parts of the US where there's a lot of combined cycle plants where you have a gas turbine, a heat recovery steam generator, and then a steam turbine on the end, right? Yeah. That's another popular area, right? It is because that gives you very high efficiency. You have a very high inlet temperature at the in the combustor of the gas turbine, and then you have a very low outlet temperature at the exhaust of the steam turbine. So that gives you a higher efficiency than, than a standalone gas turbine or a standalone steam turbine because of the long expansion line in that cycle. So those those cycles are very efficient. You mentioned, and I think we're going to come here, but you mentioned water treatment um, briefly there. And and I, I have, in my limited understanding, always kind of known that water treatment is kind of a big deal when you're dealing with steam turbines. Can you, can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, it's you have to make sure that the steam and the, the feed water in the steam, steam turbine plant meets certain criteria. Uh, I'm not an expert in water treatment by any means, but you need to make sure that you don't get deposits on the blades. Okay. Um, that that's the main main thing that you have so, clean clean steam in in the cycle. And, and and so what uh, like what constituents or or what could be in the water that could impact the blades or maintenance? Yeah, I, I can't really get into that in detail, but uh, you need to remove uh, the oxygen, dissolved oxygen. Okay. You do that in the deaerator, but you, okay. you, you vent out steam and air from, from a deaerator to remove oxygen from the cycle and, and to prevent corrosion. Okay, yeah. maybe separate from that, that question then, Bengt, like 
from a maintenance perspective, what do you normally need to do on a steam turbine? Like, and 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 how often? Maybe you can get touch touch on that a little bit. Yeah, you usually do annual inspections of a steam turbine. Just to check the alignment and the vibrations. You, you check the bearings, make sure they're okay. You check the oil system, the filters, uh, and then you do a more involved overhaul or inspection after maybe five years, where you open up the turbine and check the blades. Um, you can also use boroscope openings in um, in the turbine. You put in a boroscope, and you can you can look at. Okay. The, the blades and see if there are deposits or any cracks or anything and and that's the basis for the next uh, overhaul cycle so if you detect mm. any deficiencies cracks or uh, wear and tear on the seals or anything then you plan for a, for a major overhaul and you op open up the turbine take out the rotor replace seals and maybe the bearings and whatever is defect and you mentioned oil change the oil changes is for basically oil that's being supplied to the bearings and presumably the gearbox as well, right? Yeah, that's correct. You, you yeah. usually don't change the oil, but you, you inspect the filters and, and that kind of stuff, make sure a conditioner, make sure it's, it's working properly. And okay. Yeah. So it's, di it's different than a reciprocating engine that actually consumes the oil. It, this is just kind of keeping tabs on and making yeah, sure so there's no leak. Yeah. yeah, steam turbine has lubrication oil and that's for the bearings, it's for the gearbox. And the bearings on the generator, gearbox, and, and and the steam turbine. And then you also some turbines have hydraulic oil for for the valves. For, oh right, for, yes. fast acting oh, okay. uh, control valves. So we, uh, hydraulic oil system. So, uh, you, um, you know, this is a stable, mature industry. But have there been any interesting kind of technological developments recently in the world of steam turbines? Um, they've been refined all of over the years i mean steam turbines have been around since the industrial revolution right right um, but it's like automobiles they were also invented around the same era they've been refined and efficiency has gone up a little bit every year that kind of thing right right um what what are some of the things so when you think about a, a steam turbine project what are the some of the really important things to get right if you're either putting it in as a green field or you're putting it in, particularly in our context, you're putting it to a brownfield site. Uh, what are some of the things that you know you've seen go poorly and the things that are really important to get right? Yeah, you have to do a proper due diligence on your process on your steam cycle. Okay. You need to figure out how much steam do you have available if if you have an existing boiler, for example. How much steam do you need to send to a process if you have a, an extraction from the turbine? Um, you need to spend a lot of time to, to figure that out in detail. And, and, and then the quality to, of the steam too banked, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, well, that, that has to meet a certain criteria. The steam turbine vendor would tell you steam quality has to meet this spec. And then the uh, water treatment supplier has to meet that spec, basically. But then you have to... to um, select the type of turbine, the technology, the vendor that has the best turbine for, for your project and take in a few bits and compare them and do a payback calculation on, on the different turbines and select make the, the best selection. You, you talked about information you have. You talked about due diligence on the process banked. I mean, how that in some ways that seems simple, but I think there's 
are there certain seasonality or historical flow? Like, are there certain things that often get overlooked when doing that due diligence? Yeah, there are a lot of factors involved. So it's easy to overlook any of those factors. So the more information you have, the better. You have to be right. uh, diligent right. in, in reviewing all the data I, I, in different I, scenarios. Ideal, so, ideally, we're able to look at historical flows, historical steam pressures and temperatures. And um, I know for, from my perspective, having doing some consulting work for certain folks, you have you may have a, a flow meter in one place, but you may not have a flow meter elsewhere. You have a line that splits in three directions and two of them have a flow meter and the other one doesn't. And yeah, that, exactly. those kind of things make the analysis a lot harder, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If if I was starting or if I was interested in a, a steam turbine project banked, wh where would you start or what are the various kind of gates or a project development that one might expect they need to go through? Well, you need to figure out what steam conditions you have available, what the flow yeah. is, the pressure and temperature. And if you have a condenser, how you're going to cool the, uh, the condenser by air or by, by, by water. Um, and then need to do some performance calculations. You can do that in Thermoflex, for example, where you can predict the output and then you can go out for, for budget bids to the major vendors and get, get some bids in. And then you can verify the difference in performance between them and start an evaluation. Okay, so you basically you start with essentially a study that's going to evaluate the existing facility, the quality of the steam, you know, all of that yeah, kind of exactly. stuff. Yeah. And and then from there you're evaluating potentially bids, and then there's maybe other due diligence items like are there geotech studies or you know things like that that you kind of need to worry about, well, I guess, depending well, on where it's being placed. To... Yeah, you have to have a proper foundation of the turbine. It, it, the turbine can run at 10,000 RPM. Right. And you need to have complete uh, route dynamic analysis from the turbine supplier before you design your foundation. You need the dynamic loads and the static loads, uh, critical speeds, all that kind of stuff. So you can design a proper foundation. Um, it's, it's very complex and it's very important to get that right. Otherwise, it could be, be a big problem. On that vibration piece, and, and this is timely because of another matter I'm working through. Are there are there different? You know, you have a you have a, a turbine that's not running, and then there's a startup phase, and then there's a steady state phase. Are you looking at the the vibrations and the dynamics at different aspects of uh, or different uh, operating conditions for the steam turbine bank? Uh, when you design the uh, foundation, you you need to 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 get the, the maximum dynamic loads. It can be okay. during a sh short short circuit event of the, uh -huh. the generator. If there's an, an error, you, you get a short circuit. It's like throwing a wrench in, into the generator, it will stop very quickly. And then you need to make sure that the, uh, the turbine doesn't trip over. You have to... Right. Sounds like, you, sounds like you've seen that happen before bank no that, i haven't but that's, oh, okay. uh, it's a, it's a <laughs> that's a good thing <laughs> <laughs> it's a very a complex process and you have to be very diligent when you design a steam turbine foundation and review all the uh, the data from the turbine supplier and, and get the right information from the turbine supplier and we're getting we're getting a little bit nerdy here but when you sometimes steam turbines banked 
the the exhaust is on the bottom, right? Like that's when you talk about foundations and and design. Often you need a basement, right? There, there are different designs. Okay. Uh, a lot of them have a bottom exhaust, and in that right. case you need to mount your turbine up on on the on the pedestal or on, on the second floor. Um, that's very right. costly because you have to build a very big foundation for, right. for that scenario, and then you put your condenser underneath. Right. The turbine. And yeah. Some turbines have axial exhaust. Okay. That gives you, you know, simpler foundation design. So you put the condenser right behind the turbine, or maybe you have an air-cooled condenser outside of the building. Then you have to have an exhaust duct, take that outside of the building. Oh. And some yeah. turbines also have upward exhaust. I think the other, you know, the other piece that Bank Bank touch on it there that that people have to realize is different than a different types of prime movers, a gas turbine or a gas engine. You know the um, the umbilicals, the connections, particularly mechanically to a steam turbine, pretty sensitive, right? You have high. Uh, they're very sensitive. Yeah, you, you don't want to impose any, any major forces and moments on a steam turbine, mm -hmm. um, right. because you can mess up the alignment of the of the right. turbine. Right. So it's very important to uh, to calculate the the pipe stresses and moments at the connections to the turbine. Um, a lot of cases you have to install the expansion bellows, mm. expansion joints at the uh, at the connections to the turbine. Right. So you don't eat, have excessive forces and moments. And sometimes, bank the um, particularly on the on the high pressure, high temperature piping, you're you're getting maybe even into exotic metals and things like that, depending on yeah, temperature absolutely, pressure. yeah, uh, yeah. For 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 large. Uh, steam power plants, combined cycle power plants, you, you need, uh, they use uh, high chrome content, which is very sensitive and it's very hard to weld and right. um, can cause a lot of difficulties. And then on the discharge uh, side, often that, that discharge, the exhaust is very big, right? Like physically it's, it's very Yeah, big. yeah, because you expand the steam, so the right. volume gets very, very big yeah. in condensing turbines. Yeah, if you have very low vacuum, and it, it's good to kind of it's good to kind of tease at some of that stuff because on one hand it's a very simple device, right, in terms of what it's actually doing, but on the other hand, everything that goes into it and and sizing it and specking it and designing it, there's a lot that goes into it, even though it's such a simple and elegant device, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It's quite complex actually to design a steam turbine plant. Yeah. Thanked on the electrical front, like like an engine. Right, like yep. if it was a lean burn engine, you can run an engine down to about 50% load, and below mm. that, it's not really good for the engine, right? Yeah. Does something similar apply to to a steam turbine? Like how how what what does that look like? Yeah, you can go much lower than 50%. The the limits okay. when you when you go down in part load on a steam turbine, you the efficiency goes down, which means that the exhaust temperature goes up. So you have to protect your condenser from excessive temperatures uh -huh. and the blading from excessive temperatures. So a lot of cases you use like an exhaust spray, you have a spray system, spray nozzles at exhaust to lower the temperature. To cool it, okay. To cool it, to protect your condenser. Uh, but you can usually go down to about 20% load on a steam turbine. Okay. But and, the, the efficiency goes, goes down. And in terms of following electrical loads, like mm. does it have the ability to ramp up and ramp down yeah, very yeah. easily and quickly? It, it's a common feature to, to, to be load following. 
Yeah. Okay, and and do you see many islanded projects with steam turbines, yeah, or are they typically running in parallel with the grid? Uh, you can do both. You you can island them as well. It's it's the basically same principle as for gas turbines or ICEs. Okay. Yeah. And, and and the limiting factor there is always like the, there's a control valve somewhere, right? That that yeah is, is the governing factor about how responsive a steam turbine can be. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's the response time on on the control valve to the to the inlet of the turbine that's dictating how flexible of an operation you can have. Yeah, that's cool. true. So and, we've got, go ahead, Lisa. No, no, go, go ahead, Matt. It's okay. Well, I was going to take us kind of away from the technical and more to kind of the the environmental and and kind of energy transition, uh, if that's okay. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. So okay. good. <laughs> so so banked, you know, in a lot of our conversations, and and you're seeing it in some of the projects you're working on right now. Um, you know, the, the world is changing as it relates to energy, and everything is about you know clean energy and reducing your carbon footprint, and and all all very good stuff. What's your view on how, you know, throw emissions in there too? Like with steam turbines, where, you know, do they have a role to play or, you know, because we can't burn coal anymore, we don't have steam turbines anymore. Like talk to us about where steam turbines fit in this energy transition. Yeah, I mean, the steam turbine doesn't care what fuel you use. It right. only cares that it gets steam at a certain rate. <laughs> uh, so, and the steam turbine has no emissions. So. Right. All the emissions come obviously from the combustors. Right. So it depends on what you're burning in the, in the boiler. If you're burning coal or oil or gas or or waste or yeah, and, and, you're, and you made uh, a point. You made a point earlier about nuclear, right? And 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 nuclear, you know, at the heart of every react, not at the heart of the reactor, but in every nuclear power plant, is one or typically multiple you know, steam turbines at the heart of their thermodynamic cycle, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're very complex and very efficient. You have a high high pressure turbine and intermediate pressure turbine and a couple of low pressure turbines usually. Yeah, yeah, I'll never but forget. But the steam turbine, uh, I mean, you can use it for uh, for any types of fuel in your boiler. Uh, you can use it for geothermal um, mm, aha. applications where you use heat from the earth, like they do in Iceland, for example. Right. Mm. Um, or if you have an existing plant where you need steam and, right. and you're throttling down the steam, then you can put in a steam turbine to, instead of throttling the steam, you can expand it in the turbine mm -hmm. and make power for, for heat recovery purposes. Mm. Yeah, so that's, it, um, that's, a, yeah that, that's, a good, that's a good example, particularly for industrial clients who might, or institutional clients who might still be um, using, you know, pressure letdown stations, pressure reducing stations for yeah, a yeah. large volume of steam continually, maybe a steam turbine is, is a nice option, even if it's, you know, 500 kilowatts, a megawatt of power, um, yeah, exactly. you know, that, that goes a long way, right? Yeah. There are also applications with where you use solar energy to produce steam. Aha. I think Siemens has been involved in that technology, okay. uh, where you use uh, mirrors to concentrate the uh, the, the rays from the sun yes. to to produce steam and then right. run a steam turbine. 
Okay. Okay. That's interesting. So I we I love that because we just touched on there's a there's a solar thermal aspect here that generates steam that runs a steam turbine. Yeah. You could theoretically run renewable natural gas or hydrogen in a boiler to create yeah. steam, which of course exactly. would then power a steam turbine. Yeah. And then la last maybe not lastly because there's biomass as well, but then you have nuclear uh, in in addition to yeah. that, right? So there's lots of renewable fuel sources at the inlet side, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. That would allow you to to you know to tack on a steam turbine and uh and, and do that very efficiently and at a you know net zero or or even you know depending on what you're doing afterwards uh, yeah, uh carbon negative absolutely. perspective cool yeah that's correct I'll, I'll never forget i had a co-op term at a large at, at the time north america's largest coal-fired generating station in nanacoke ontario and they had uh eight eight boilers and each each boiler fed a 500 megawatt steam turbine, and I I just remember I, I mean I kind of knew the basics uh, of you know steam turbine by then, but just the sheer size like it was the size of a school bus like it was and what what made me think of it was you know they'd always talk about HP IP you know and 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 I remember being part of you know developing projects to work on just the IP section or just the HP section like the 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 project was just on that discrete section of the turbine. That's how big it was. And I, I looking back now, I kind of feel a bit regretful that I didn't that I didn't know what I know now in terms of how amazing that site was from a thermodynamic perspective. And um, yeah, you know, that then they were running into issues of fouling the condenser because the lake water would get, you know, I don't know what kind of creatures are in there and it would foul up the condensers and a uh, whole, whole different world of, of challenges when you're dealing at that size range, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah. we need to arrange a field trip, Matt. We'll go back. Well, well, that would be hard because it's demolished and it's no longer there. And I oh, think that's right, be, actually. Yeah. That would <laughs> but there yeah, are other, but there are other facilities. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. So, cool. Hey, um, Lisa, our bank, uh, there's a couple other things I want to ask bank, but we have them, but are there any other steam turbine related things that that uh, we want to talk about? What do you think, bank? Do you have anything else you want to add from uh, from that perspective? Um, I can't think of anything at the moment, so no. Um, may, maybe tell us, bank, uh, in closing on the steam turbine side about, so you talked about the project in Elmira. Uh, you did another uh, large, larger project recently. Maybe you can tell us about that steam turbine project. Yeah, uh, we did uh, we did a project for an energy from waste right. project in Brampton. Yes, uh, and that was a nine megawatt turbine where the client has uh, five boilers, um, and uh, we needed to replace the existing turbine that was uh, very old. Okay, and so we uh, we selected the new new turbine that we uh, installed a couple of, uh, last year. Okay, and it's up and running now. And was it was it like for like or it was a different technology? Uh, it was or? slightly different extraction okay. arrangements. Okay. Where the new turbine has an internally controlled extraction. Okay. And, and the previous one, uh, you were bypassing the turbine and throttling down the steam. Oh. But now we are expanding the steam that goes to the process in the first stage of the turbine before you send it to to the process. So are they getting more power out? And they're getting a bit, yeah, it's more more efficient than before. More yes. efficient. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that that's you know to our earlier discussion about fuel types, steam turbine doesn't care, but that's a that's an energy from waste facility. So we're taking exactly. waste product and yeah. Yeah. They use cool. um, the burn burn garbage. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. And 
maybe give us we'll probably do a full podcast on this next topic but it's now uh, official and out, out in the public so we can we can talk about it you're you're working on a an, it's not a steam turbine project but you're you're getting deeply involved in another exciting project can you tell us a little bit about that project here in niagara yes we are working on we are designing a um, hydrogen production facility uh, uh, close to the sir adam beck uh, hydro power station in niagara falls so we are working together with uh davy in a joint venture to design this facility. It's a 20 megawatt hydrogen production facility. And we are using uh, uh, cooling water from the canal to, uh, to cool the facility. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay, right on. It's very it's an energy storage uh, principle. We, we take excess power from the power plant and we make hydrogen and, and, and put that in, in a tank and use it whenever we want. So it's really energy storage cool. product. And what's what's your role on the project, Bengt? I am the mechanical lead uh, from from CEM on that project, okay. mainly working on the cooling system. Oh, okay, cool. And you've yeah. you've 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 been uh, becoming a bit of an internal hydrogen expert, kind of along the way, right? Yeah, slowly yeah. but surely. Slowly but surely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. Good. So not only will he be our subject matter expert uh, in steam turbines, but maybe in hydrogen at some point too, right, Bank? Maybe in, in 20 years or so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Love it. I'm still around. <laughs> good. Well, Bank, if if people want to get in touch with you and 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 they want to talk, you know, the uh, the intricacies of of blade design or or you know sizing steam turbines, what's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, they can call CM or they can contact me on uh, LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn okay. as well. Good, good. I'd be happy to uh, to talk to anybody. Awesome. Perfect. Let's 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 spell your name though for our listeners, Bank, just so they can find you easier. So first name is B E N G T, and your last name, I'll let you do it. Yeah, my last name is Malmström. That's M A L M S T R O M, and uh, it's a Swedish name, and it means uh, a stream that goes through a borough, a part of the city. The Malm oh. is is a borough. And the oh. street that goes through a borough. That's, that's what it means. That's my last name. Wow. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? That's cool. interesting. Um, that's a little bit. So we have a colleague, um, Van Berkel. And in Dutch, Berkel is similar. It's a stream that kind of goes through, oh, okay. through, through yeah. a, a, a city. So he's from the stream, basically. Yeah, it's a, not, not just, dissimilar. Yeah, there you go. Must be a European theme, I guess. The European theme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Good. Well, Bank, this has been really, really fun. Thank you for taking uh, some time out of your your busy day and sharing yeah, with us your experience and your knowledge. Um, I know you've always shared it with me so freely over the years, and and I'm I'm smarter as a result of it, and and now our listeners are. So, uh, really appreciate it, and um, thank you for joining Energy Radio. Thank you very thank much. You very it's much, been a pleasure. Thanks. Good. Have a good day. And to our listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We always appreciate your participation and listening and your feedback. Uh, So send us a note, Matt at CEMENG, if you've got any ideas for future guests or future topics, uh, future series, future takeovers, uh, let me know. And uh, thank you again to my colleague, uh, Lisa, for coming back and co-hosting and and look forward to many more uh, podcasts in the future. Excellent. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you again, Banks. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.